The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our first episode of our Unity Online radio show, Big Universe. I'm Jim Lefter, and I'm here with Raymond Anderson. Hey, Raymond. Hey, Jim. What's up? Namaste. Namaste. So why do we call it Big Universe? Well, there's so much to learn from the whole spiritual realm thing, and this is the place to explore that stuff from new thought and beyond. We're looking to hook into that conversation of what I hope will be a new and fun perspective, give you some tools, discussion, insightful interviews, all that stuff. What do you say, Raymond? Sounds good to me. Our first interview today is with Mitch Horowitz, Penn Award-winning author of the fantastic book, The Miracle Club. We're going to talk about the power of the mind and get some good stuff from him on how we can put that to work in our lives. With me, Dr. Raymond Anderson. Raymond Anderson is the senior minister of the Center for Spiritual Living, Greater Baltimore. And you know, he's an all-around fun guy. He's a spiritual renaissance kind of guy. His mission is to live, move, and be an active member of society who serves to educate, elucidate, emancipate, awaken and empower people and communities. That's his official bio. The list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to join with Raymond is that he does a killer cooking monster impression in some of, some of his talks and not a bad Yoda. And I'm hoping he's gonna bring that into uh, one of our episodes. Um, now, do you channel Cookie Monster or is it an impression? So it's more of an impression unless you throw a cookie in front of me. Now you throw a cookie in front of me, then yeah, all bets are off. Well, I like that. I hope I hope he's going to visit at some point. We'll have to, maybe there's a book that you can come out of that, you know, channeling Cookie Monster. Oh, sounds good to me. So I'm Jim Lefter. I'm a TV and video producer. I also produce online video courses with folks. I've worked with Discovery, A&E, yada, 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 yada. I was also the founder of the New Thought Channel. Most of all, I consider myself kind of a spiritual journeyman. I've been in new thought and spiritual stuff for like 20-some years. I'm not going to tell you how long. Uh, and I'm, I'm an explorer, and I want to help you guys explore too. So, Raymond, why are you here beside me, uh, besides me coercing you to be here? So pretty much the same reason you just said, you know, with this whole thing called spirituality and spiritual practices and just living our best life. 
idea of, you know, how do we explore that? How do we expand upon that? How do we, you know, take up the adventure of the hero's journey and actually do something with it instead of it just being about a head game? So pretty much that to explore with you and boldly go where we may not have gone before. Yes, and people should be aware that there will be Star Trek references because we're <laughs> both Star Trek fans. So, you know, you're just going to have to deal with that. Yes, the long and prosper. I'm excited to also announce the grand return to Unity Radio of one of my favorite people, that funniest guy, Crazy Ed Biagiotti. He's going to do some special segments for us in every episode, and he'll be coming up in uh, just a few minutes. All right, Raymond. So, you know, I like to start my day with some motivational music. I don't know about you, but you know it could be, yeah, it could be, uh, it could be anything. And um, well, I, I have an interesting one for you today. I I, uh, I hope you like it. Uh, let me get to it. And uh, this is just uh, just one of the first ones that I always listen to. So here you go. Okay. Ready? Go for it. Any guesses as to who that was? I have no idea. <laughs> I was going to say the Partridge family, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not too far off, actually. <laughs> Do you remember, I guess it was the 80s, late 80s, maybe early 90s or something. There's a band that uh, did a song called Mbop. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I included a Hanson. What? In my motivation list. I'm I'm not embarrassed about I'm a little embarrassed about I'm not <laughs> that embarrassed about it because it's a okay. you know, it's a good song. Yeah, know? yeah, I agree. Uh they're and you know, give the guys a break, they're in their thirties now. You know, it's not like hard to believe. Yeah, I know it's not like they're twelve years old anymore. <laughs> but you know, uh, the lyrics I was born to do something no one's ever done before. Yes. I was born to go somewhere no one's ever gone before. I just, I love that stuff. It's, yes. You know, it's very poppy, obviously, but I think they're a good sounding band. And, you know, one of the things, you know, if Mitch Horowitz listens to the start of this episode, he's going to totally roll his eyes because he's more of a <laughs> Sex Pistols kind of guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He told me once um, the most embarrassing concert he's been to was a, a Billy Joel concert. I've been to like <laughs> six Billy Joel concerts. <laughs> So, oh, I'm not sure what that what says, do? but what do we do? What do we do? So, what do you got for me today, Raymond? So, you ready? I'm ready. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and the human race is filled with passion, poetry, beauty, romance, love, 
These are what we stay alive for. Carpe diem, seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Strive to find your own voice. Seize the day, look at it in another way. Carpe diem, seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Strive to find your own voice. Seize the day. We are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. Words and ideas can change the world. So it's a melody sheet, and what they do is they tend to make a, they take a remix uh, from whether it's a, like that's Robin Williams, specifically from Dead Poet Society, and they took a couple of lines and added music and, you know, did this remixy thing. And so the idea of Carpe Diem, you know, I start the day off with this, you know, seize the day kind of thing. Plus, you know, I love Robin Williams. Every time I listen to this song, I get misty eyed he was definitely lost way too soon, way too soon. But very good. I'm really enjoying that. I have to listen to that some more. It, you got to watch the video too, though. You got to okay. watch the video too. <laughs> do, you think it, do you think it fits with Hanson in the playlist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. I don't know about Billy Joel, but yes, Hanson. Yes. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Dueling Inspirations. Yes, he said Dueling Inspirations, as in my inspiration is better than yours, Raymond. Do you want to go first? Is that, is that right? You sure about that? You putting money on this? I'm putting money on it, sure. I'll put a cookie on it. All right, that's a deal. I'll, uh, yeah, maybe I'll add a cupcake, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so uh, Japanese philosopher, poet Basho says, do not seek to follow in the footsteps of the men of old. Seek what they sought. Ooh, I like that. What, is it, what does it say to you? So for me, it's not about, especially with this thing called new thought. So it's not about following specifically in the footsteps of those new thought pioneers, be they Emma Curtis Hopkins, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, Ernest Holmes. Don't try to follow in their footsteps, but look for the same thing that they were looking for. Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, enlightenment, empowered living, because you have to do it your own way. Everybody's got their own individual fingerprints. So why not in, engage in your own spiritual practice and your spiritual life your way? Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't know if you have me beat or not, but here's mine. Okay, Mr. Cupcake, come on. Yes, Mr. Cupcake. <laughs> God, my father and your father has made me to know that no matter what I've done or what others have done to me, he has implanted me with a pattern of perfection. He's given me the life, power, intelligence, and substance of which I may recreate my soul qualities and my physical structures, and so come forth a new creature. You too, by studying and proving this truth, can do the same. Ooh. So that's going that's going back old school with uh, Myrtle Myrtle Fillmore. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, it's from her book uh, from the book How to Let God Help You, which I think is a compilation of her letters and articles. Because she didn't actually, I don't think she wrote more than. She might have written a book or something like that, but not uh, not that many. But, you know, it really speaks to me. And, I, and you can substitute, you know, divine mind or universe or she or whatever works for you, uh, you know, if the my father and your father language doesn't work for you. But, you know, the essence is that um, there's a pattern of perfection within us that we can tap into. It doesn't mean that our daily lives 
necessarily we act in perfection or that you know we can we but but it's something to aspire to and it's in with it's within us in our dna um so you know it really really spoke to me so i thought that's the one to share i guess we'll have to leave it to the listeners to decide who who wins this one but okay. works for me but i like i like yours a lot that's very cool and i like yours a lot that was yeah i like that very meaningful yeah yeah and we'll you know we're all obviously going to explore folks like ernie fillmore ernie uh, <laughs> <laughs> i combined them ernie holmes uh, charlie fillmore and all those guys i'm kind of on a first name basis with them <laughs> they may or may not approve of that but you know i i think they're good guys so and yeah, good I, agree. I agree <laughs> so i was curious you know in movies and tv today there's a it seems like there's a whole genre now of these movies that have come out about your senses and, and, and either not being able to trust your senses or being able to use your senses or, or your, your personalities. I'm talking about movies like bird box where, Mm -hmm. you know, you, people can't open their eyes in the outdoors because, you know, they'll be forced to see whatever it is. Right. And, and die in some gruesome way. And then, you know, quiet place, it's about not being able to make sound and, and talk out of fear, you know, of these creatures, you know, coming after you. I'm just wondering, what what are your thoughts on, you know, what does that mean to you? Does that, is there metaphorical uh, resonance in that? Yeah, I mean, I think the entire idea of going within is sort of what they're highlighting. So rather than trusting one sense over another, rather than trusting our, you know, or even our external mind, rather than trusting ego, rather than trusting whatever that is, you have to go within and find a different way to communicate or a different way to relate or a different way to move and be in the world. Because you can't go the way you've gone. You know, like one of the things we say in a CSL is we're not bound by precedent. We live based on principle. So the idea is, in our regular everyday world, we are so sense overloaded. You know, the first time I went to New York City and went to Times Square, and it was nighttime, but because of all of those lights, you would never know it was nighttime. (laughs) Right, right, right. So we are bombarded, whether it's our smartphones and laptops and this and that, that I think these movies are saying, without this stuff, How do you move? Without this stuff, how do you live? If you had to eliminate this, how do you go about surviving? Yeah, you know, I find it interesting that um, they don't bother with the details of how these stories, you know, how these invasions or whatever began um, or or necessarily how they'll end. It's all about, you know, personal stories and, and, um, you know, it's kind of following that walking dead pattern of, you know, it doesn't matter how it started. It doesn't matter how it ends, but it's all, it's all an internal thing, which, you know, really interesting. Right. It's the psychology of this character, this person, their hero's journey in this moment of time. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, I know you have, there's plenty to talk about with this, this stuff, but what do you, does does uh, Jordan Peele's movies uh, get into this, you think, to some extent? Oh, 
Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that, but like a resounding yes. Yes. It's even, okay, so whether it's Get Out, which, yeah, or whether it's us, I mean, there are so many layers upon layers upon layers that even with the new, him hosting the new Twilight Zone, like yeah. this, there's this through line of it's never exactly what you think it is. There's another layer. And it's not even that. It's there's another layer. And, and it's not even that. It's another layer. Uh-huh. So within the movies and the way he's presenting them, there's this meta idea of, yeah, this is what you see. And this is what you hear in the story. But go a little deeper. You know, Take that meta approach and go a little deeper and go a little deeper and go a little deeper. And then you find that place where it's visceral, where it's like, oh, oh, wow. Wow, I don't know what to do with that. I need to get a cookie because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Those those movies. I mean, we'll we'll get into that. I'm sure uh, in, in more detail at some point. But his movies and and the TV show really hit on some nerves, you know, and Ooh. hit on some you know deep sure. stuff. And it's about it's also about you know uh, senses and uh, yes. you know your expectations of of what's going on and. Yes. totally switched around it's, and it becomes that internal thing what's your internal guidance yes yes very much so i can't wait to talk to you about things like dr strange and uh you know of course star trek and matrix and all that stuff that's gonna be fun oh yeah for sure <laughs> and now it's my pleasure to introduce to you someone back who's back on unity online radio mr ed biagioti how you doing ed crazy ed oh Hey, man, I am fantastic, and you did a great job with my name. Oh, my gosh, I have trouble with your name. Oh, man, all my whole life, you know, but it's not just that people get it wrong. It's that different people from different regions of Italy say it differently, different places in New York, where my family's from, says it differently. And then, of course, out here, you get all manner of, in California, we get all manner of different attempts, so. I appreciate that, man. It's good to good to be back on Unity Online Radio. As you said, Daryl and my, my partner Daryl Fazzaro and I did a show, Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, for five years, and it was some of the best times of my life. I love Unity. I love the and and I love the Unity Online Radio and and what you guys are putting out there. And of course, I love you. So it's good to be here. It's wonderful to have you. So we're talking with Mitch Horowitz today on the power of your mind and how you can utilize your mind to you know, create your life. Um, I just wondered, yes. what are your thoughts on that? What do you got going on? Okay, so I was very excited when I heard that this was the topic because for, I mean, this is about, this is pretty much the whole gist of the practice of my life is learning how to utilize my mind and cooperate with the power of the mind so that I'm in the flow with God or source or life or whatever you want to call it. And I mean, that's one of the reasons Daryl and I on our show always promote doing a morning routine. As little as seven minutes of, of time spent meditating, um, reading something inspired, and then conjuring up at least a few affirmative prayers or writing something down affirmative from that time, because that really gets me in sync with the divine mind or the universal mind or whatever the Tao is what, you know, some people, the Taoists would call it, you know, but it's just this flow that when we cooperate with it, everything works out in better than expected ways. So um, I had mentioned to you, I'm the inclusion specialist for 
Culver City Unified School District. That's what I do for a living. Um, I'm in the special ed department, but as the name implies, my job is to make sure all of our students are fully included and accepted and supported in the ways that they need to for the district. I write an article called Tapping into Genius for the local newspaper that goes on to every free, it goes free on every driveway in Culver City. And there I slide in the same thing, the power of the mind and the way we look at things. And um, earlier today, just about an hour ago or an hour and a half ago, I was at my work and I've been helping out in a classroom where I've been teaching academics and um, because this one, there was a teacher that had too much on her plate and I have a teaching credential and a background, you know, but I, I, I used to have my own classroom and everything, but it's different being in someone else's classroom because they kind of set out, there's like a mental frequency with which different people teach, right? So she and I do not um, historically like kind of approach things the same way. I'm really about uh, shining a light on the very best in each student and encouraging them and keeping my mind in a positive, potential driven state of mind, right? My job is not to squash their spirit so that I can look like I'm in control. And my, that's the way I approach it. So anyway, just about an hour and a half ago, I'm working with these two kids who are just like bats out of you know where. They're like, when they get together, they're talking about my nose looking like Pinocchio. It's like, I look like an old man. <laughs> so no. Oh my God. It was like, so I'm sitting there and like I said, there's kind of a vibration set by, by the thoughts that are in the environment. So the other teacher sitting across and I'm starting to feel like she thinks I'm not doing a good job and I'm starting to go down that spiral. And so I got up, I told the kids, come on, we're going to go to the principal's office. You know, like I'm going to get you guys and we're going to set this straight. But halfway there, I was like, this doesn't feel good. What am I going to do? Go to the principal and beg her to help me teach. And I even told this to these two kids who are in third grade. So instead of going to the principal's office, I told them, look, all I want for you is the best. And I want to get this work done. And so let's go down and sit at this table and get it done. And now we are in a free space so I could really dictate the vibration of the thinking. These kids got this paper done. We laughed. I, I reminded them how much I appreciate them. I got back into the flow with who I am and with that divine mind. These kids did better work than they've done in weeks, and I was able to send them back on their way with like a very positive interaction. For me, that's the power of that. Just demonstrate the power of the mind. When when I'm when the channel is positive and in the flow, amazing things happen. Awesome, Ed. Awesome. Um, any last yeah. minute uh, comments on that? What else do you want to put forward? Got about fifteen seconds. Uh, anyone wants to find me at Crazy Eddie? No, at Crazy Eddie loves you. At Crazy Eddie is E-D-Y, loves you. At Crazy Eddie loves you. I, I put out one-minute videos about positive psychology, the power of the mind. They give you a boost. They're fun. So find me at, at Crazy Eddie loves you on Instagram, and I look forward to talking to you guys again. Ed, this wasn't long enough for us. We're going to have to keep you on and, and have you on for a longer period of time. But thanks so much for popping by. Oh my God, this made my day. You know, I feel so much better. I feel like, I, like I'm ready to start a whole new day, even though my day just ended. So thank you. Thanks for being on Big Universe. We'll be right back. Cool. Right. So I guess I'm wondering if we can set some sort of intention on, you know, on the show and going forward. How do you feel about doing that? Sounds good to me. 
think it'll right. give our listeners an idea of you know what, what we got planned for them. Go for it. So for me, because you know, much like you being very big into things like Star Wars and Star Trek and Marvel and DC and beyond, there's this idea of the hero's journey. And so for me, I think Big Universe is one way for viewers, listeners, you know, people on this journey with us to be able to assess and look at their own lives through the interviews that we're going to have, through conversation, through breaking down pop culture, et cetera, just a way to, a different way of looking at our individual lives, our individual heroes' journeys to be able to plot our own courses to determine, like, am I living my best life? Because one of the things that I've noticed, one, since being in New Thought, and two, since being a minister in this, is there are a lot of folks who have grown complacent and okay. Yeah. Rather than letting the philosophy of New Thought expand us forward into living greater and greater lives. You know, one of the things that I, and I don't remember what book, pretty short was one of his books, but Mitch mentions in one of his books or an interview that I saw how the fire of the New Thought pioneers has sort of like dwindled. Like it's with, with this generation, it's not a full-fledged flame. It's not a blaze. So for me, it's, well, what gave Charles and Myrtle and Ernie Fillmore, <laughs> what gave them... <laughs> What gave them this passion and this fire? What made Emma Curtis Hopkins, you know, the teacher's teacher, that she was so powerful of a presence? What made Ernest Holmes so powerful of a speaker that, you know, the philosophy spread? And, you know, is it right for us to just be blah, just settle rather than expand? You know, one of the things we say in CSL is we are creating a world that works for the highest and best of all. And we can't do that as a global vision if I'm not making my life work for the highest and best for me or the highest and best for my family, the highest and best for the community, the highest and best for the church or the center, et cetera. So one thing with this show is exploring that. Am I living my best life? Am I seizing the day? You know, and if not, then through listening to the folks and, you know, picking up their books, et cetera, engaging in the practice. I think what we're all about here is expansion. You know, there is the core of new thought and we will always be a part of that. That's always, you know, what we're doing. But I think there is a lot beyond um, what we can, what some people consider the core. And I also think there's something to, you know, the, there's the internal side. And then there's also the idea of treat and move your feet. We are going to have an interview with Mitch Horowitz when we get back, author of The Miracle Club. You're listening to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Well, I'm really excited to have uh, a friend of mine named Mitch Horowitz on. Mitch is a writer in residence at the New York Public Library, a lecturer in residence at the uh, University of Philosophical Research in Los Angeles. You're in residence at a lot of places. Yeah, I bought for him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's a Penn Award-winning author of books including Occult America, One Simple Idea, How Positive Thinking Reshaped Modern Life, Mind as Builder, and The Miracle Club, How Thoughts Become Reality. Mitch has written for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Salon, Time.com, and Political. You just have too many credentials. Can I say that up front? I don't sleep. Well, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, I wanted to let you know that at the beginning of the uh, episode, I actually played a uh, a song from Hanson. You know Hanson? You remember Hanson? Sure, I remember them. That goes back. Yeah, I actually played their song, and I I knew that your eyes would be rolling in your head uh, at at that reference because you know I know you're a Sex Pistols kind of guy, and I am. But you know, I wish Hanson well. I have no, uh, you know. <laughs> they're in their 30s now come on what's that they're in their oh. 30s now come on oh are they are they still playing are they still active they are i guess i i I'm just have this one song i certainly hope i'm still active when i hit my 30s that that would that's <laughs> a very reassuring thought to me so and i'm t and i'm told that you have a special affinity for billy joel yes <laughs> yes i i mentioned that let uh, me just say gentlemen let me shatter some stereotypes here. When I was 17 years old, I saw Billy Joel live uh, at New Year's at Madison Square Garden, and it was quite good. It was quite good, I have to say. Props to Billy Joel. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take you on your word broader there. than you gentlemen think. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually get us into the interview here. Um, <laughs> I, I thought we should do that. Uh, okay, your book, Miracle Club, How yes. Thoughts Become Reality. All right, tell me what you mean by that. I know uh, you, you talk about uh, that we're not merely players, as uh, you know Shakespeare said. I, I might be paraphrasing a little bit. Um, but we have a creative agency that can determine and reshape life, our lives. What's, talk some detail about that. That's my conviction. Uh, that, 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 I think, has been the the convergence point for all our different mystical and esoteric and occult systems, this basic idea that to some greater or lesser extent, thoughts determine circumstance, not just in a psychological sense, but in actual concretized reality. And I think I've certainly had such experiences in my life over a period of many years, which coalesce with the testimony of modern seekers over the course of say the past 100, 150 years in which we've had something that could loosely be called the New Thought Movement, this kind of umbrella spiritual term for the spirituality of mind causation. Certainly things that we're seeing in the sciences within our very own generation are speaking more and more to this question of mind causation. We see this in the field of neuroplasticity. We see this in psychical research. We certainly see it in quantum theory. We see it in a, a deepening stream of placebo study experiments. 
And my wish in the Miracle Club was to get very practical, share with people my own beliefs and techniques that I experiment with, that I invite the reader to experiment with, to look into, to probe, to use, to use the qualities of mind causation. And we are so in a position of questioning when it comes to all this material. I don't like to speak of it as more than a great, grand, beautiful experiment because it's so elusive and difficult to tell when it happens, why it happens, what the circumstances are, why something that's actual and real doesn't always seem to repeat itself. That doesn't make it any less actual and real, but it deepens questions about how we interact with the world. So that's what I'm attempting to probe in the Miracle Club. Interesting. How do you differentiate? Because what I hear from a lot of people is this whole new thought thing, it's like magical thinking or something. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you respond to that idea that this is not magical thinking? Well, it's an interesting question. You know, I, I wrestle with that because in one sense, I don't dismiss the critics entirely. I've often said that the critics are right, but they're not right enough. They stop so short of probing what's most exciting and what's most extraordinary, which is which are the, 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 the cases in which extraordinary events occur for which there is no uh, reasonable, ready-made explanation unless one is coming at the matter from a perspective of blunt prejudice and simply will not permit any question about life and how we interact with it. The fact is, what I would say to the critics is this is where they they stop short of being right or where they stop short of being right enough. There's absolutely no question in the 21st century that we have established the existence of non-locality of thought, of an extra physical uh, dimension to thought. Materialism simply no longer covers all the bases of life. Even if you take a very non-controversial uh, example from the field of neuroplasticity in which it is found through brain scans that thoughts that are held on a sustained basis will eventually alter one's brain chemistry, will eventually alter the neural pathways through which electrical impulses travel through the brain. No one questions this data. No one questions it. What our culture is not yet able to grapple with are the implications of the data because it upends everything that we were raised to believe, which is that we live in a material world and that uh, the, the, the brain produces what we call the mind, whatever that is. No one really has a, quite a, a, a definition of it that covers all the bases. But regardless, we're taught growing up that the brain produces the mind, almost like um, bubbles that occur in a glass of carbonated water as an epiphenomenon of the water itself. And once the water is gone, the bubbles are gone. That's how we've been raised to see the mind. But we're seeing experiments today, really extraordinary findings, not only in neuroplasticity, but in placebo studies and serious psychical research and quantum theory that absolutely upend that conception of the mind, just as Einstein's theories upended our points of view of time and space. Einstein demonstrated that time is a relative phenomena, even though we experience linear time as so real and so vivid and so actual, it's an illusion that helps us five sensory beings get through life. So I would say to the critics, do you not want to probe any of this from a psychological perspective? Would you just kind of burn the fleet, so to speak, or smash Galileo's telescope and stop experimenting and stop questioning? My wish is to question 
these ideas, to experiment with these ideas from the perspective of psychology, which is something that all props go to New Thought. I criticize New Thought quite a bit, but, but early New Thought pioneers, they possessed this instinct and they were correct. They were correct. They possessed this instinct that our psychology was simply too small and that there was something greater. There was something extra physical or spiritual within our psychology that we hadn't understood. And they were um, engaged in these experiments and theses starting way back in the mid 19th century. They were greatly ahead of the curve. Well, that's really interesting. Why do you think we're so afraid of going to there and going to that place as a society? I guess it's because it's built in our minds that, you know, this is just frou-frou crazy stuff, you know, is that? Yeah, it, I think it, it violates lived day-to-day experience. And it's very difficult to talk to people about what live, what, what about, about the reality of things that do violate a day-to-day existence. Of course, you know, we have a time to get together to record this interview. You guys have a time to uh, place this interview on the air. Your listeners know when to, when to tune in. Uh, we, we experience time, we experience events, we experience an orderly existence. But along comes new thought and unity with the insistence that the mind is the channel of greater forces and the mind is actually running the show in ways that we don't always appreciate. And suddenly our conception of how things work gets upended. And it can feel, to to staunch critics, it can feel very unrealistic. It can feel very unrealistic. But the whole reason why, say, the physicist Erwin Schrodinger came up with his famous um, Schrodinger's cat experiment, which is this thought experiment that demonstrates that quantum theory is so unreal that if that 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 a being a creature can be dead and alive at the same time and must be if you extrapolate from what's happening within the particle lab where particles are in a state of superposition or infinite position until an observer takes a measurement schrodinger uh, i'm of course stating his experiment and his theoretical model in brief but the point i'm trying to make is that he came up with that because he wanted to force quantum theorists to grapple with the ultimate conclusions, the ultimate implications of quantum theory, which is that the world we live in is surreal according to our own standards. It doesn't behave according to the neat mechanical laws that we seem to experience hour by hour. And again, we're we're seeing that this is true, not only in the testimony of individuals who have had extraordinary experiences, but in the uh, data that's emergent from all the sciences that I've been talking about. And I think that people react, and people from all walks of life can sometimes react very aggressively to the idea that life isn't what we have kind of bargained with ourselves and persuaded with ourselves that it must be, uh, you know, that, that's why at one point people would get exiled or punished or even killed for claiming that we, we live in a, a, a heliocentric solar system. That is to say that the sun uh, is at the center of things and, and we, the earth, travel around it, not vice versa. Today, that is not a threatening idea to us at all, but, you know, several hundred years ago, that was a profoundly threatening idea. And I think to a degree, we're living through that kind of of cultural moment with regard to this spiritual psychology that, that we call new thought. 
Interesting. So, no, go ahead, uh, Raymond. So uh, critics apart, I, you, you mentioned that you are sometimes critical of new thought. Yeah. What would you like to see new thought folks do with this whole idea? Oh, there's many things. There's many things. And I appreciate that question. Um, I think that actually, I think over the past two years, through shows like your own, actually, things have been getting progressively better in New Thought. But the problem, the critique that I've had of New Thought is, first of all, I find that the intellectual tone and culture within it can often be very poor. Uh, I don't think this has been true of unity so much as been true of the larger movement. Sometimes the tone within some of the medical church, uh, medical, <laughs> within some of the metaphysical churches is almost like a, 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 a kind of pep rally tone, um, almost a, a, a birthday party kind of tone. And I think that actually we need to be more grave and more serious about some of the problems that face new thoughts, some of the areas of life that new thought seems not to address. For example, I don't think new thought has ever adequately come up with a theology of suffering. I don't think new thought has an adequate message for people who are dealing with chronic pain, chronic disease, terminal illness, um, people who are dealing with end-of-life issues. Our lifespans are much greater now than they were at the dawn of New Thought theology, and diseases that at one time were terminal for a great many people in the population, uh, today people are living with for many, many years, albeit not always comfortably living with these diseases. We're dealing with elder care issues. There's complexities in life that don't always avail themselves to the solutions that have always been with us. And I also believe that while the book and movie The Secret, I think, was a very positive, very exciting thing overall because it opened up a lot of people to thinking about new possibilities, new ways that they could use their minds. I part ways with the concept of the law of attraction which was repopularized by The Secret, because I think personally, the idea that we live under one mental super law is questionable. I think we live under, or at least we experience, many laws and forces, including uh, mortality alone. You know, these bodies that we live in will decay. They will decay, and, 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 and we will depart them. We may take a philosophical view on that, but that is unchangeable. And I think we need a, a new thought that is more fully engaged with suffering, that is more fully engaged with the multiple forces that people seem to experience in life. Even if they're not the ultimate force behind life, we do have to grapple with multiple forces. And these forces can be causes of suffering. And new thought needs to be able to address that. And in general, quite frankly, I think folks in new thought should, you know, we were just talking about a whole range of sciences, you know, placebo studies, neuroplasticity, serious cyclical research, quantum theory. I believe that the dedicated new thoughter should really know something about those fields, just as I believe that the astrologer should know something about astronomy, the Kabbalist should know something about uh, the Hebrew language, the tarot reader should know something about the history of tarot. I think we should be well-rounded, and, and I don't think new thought as an intellectual culture has always been well-rounded. So those are some of my criticisms. Let me ask you, um, you talk about uh, 
the true nature of life is to be generative. Yeah. Um, and that kind of differs. Some people think, you know, it should be an inward focus. Yes. And a lot of people say, but, but you're saying that's not necessarily the only, the only path. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. You know, there are certain terms that I run into problems with as a seeker. And I, I just, I'm just talking seeker to seeker right now. I'm going to say some things that some listeners might feel deep differences with, and I hope they understand. I'm not trying to provoke. I'm just trying to share where I am at this point in my search. I have problems with terms like faith, service, even inner experience in the sense that I almost feel like they divide up life in these ways that seem to me kind of artificial. The one thing that I feel certain of at this point in my search is that I never feel as alive. I never feel as vivified. I never feel as complete as when I'm creating, as when I'm generating, as when I'm producing. And of course, the great hermetic principle tells us as above, so below, or as it's put in Judeo-Christian scripture, God created man in his own image. If we take that seriously, then it means that the individual, him or herself, was fostered to create, to create with concentric circle of reality that we live in. And I think creativity and productivity and artistic expression, all kinds of expression, are really the the basis of human existence. I think we are here to be co-creators. That's one of the reasons why I suppose I never feel apologetic for um, the prosperity aspects of new thought. A book like Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles or Conquest of Poverty by Helen Willmans or Charles Fillmore's Prosperity. I think all those books have a wonderful place in new thought. And I don't think we should ever turn our back on the prosperity teachings of new thought or feel like they're a little embarrassing, like some crazy aunt we got to, you know, lock in the closet for Thanksgiving. <laughs> she did something horrible. You know, I know people feel there's some of my, you know, brothers and sisters on the path who feel the thinking we're a rich approach is maybe ill-suited to our times or maybe it seems gauche or embarrassing and we should put an emphasis on on service and healing the world and so on. That's not really my point of view. I think those two things can coexist. I think they complement one another. But I think that the individual's largest sense of him or herself in being productive and being generative in whatever way that comes to a person is the expression of sacredness itself. Interesting. Now, let me ask you this. I wanna really get into, I want people to have tools to use. Um, so you talk about in your book, core methods of har harnessing the mind's power. And you also emphasize in, in the chapter, how to make a miracle, you know, the importance of one deeply felt wish. Oh yeah. Can, can, can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, you know, as time passes, I feel that having one definite absolute wish and focus in life is the most powerful path that is given to us. I think what do you mean by that? What does that I mean, mean that the concentration of one's psychical energies brings with it power. And I think that's a natural law. We see that in the outer world. You concentrate light particles, they become a laser, and it's enormously powerful. You see that within as well, not only in terms of our standard cognitive psychology, but I think in terms of our ability to use and to harness the mind's causative properties. If you are focused on one absolute impassioned goal, 
which is as important to you as the drawing of breath itself, you will see things happen. I have seen in my own life and in the lives of other people, mediocrity transform into extraordinary dynamism through the focus on one absolute aim. Whatever it is, that, that's up to the individual. And this is frustrating for people, and I understand the frustration because life places many demands on us. We're parents, we're caregivers, we're workers, we're teachers. We have all kinds of things going on. And it can seem unfair to say, well, gee, you've got to boil down everything to one aim. But I do believe in my heart that it's a, that, that is a tough but transcendent bargain that life strikes with us. That if you can boil down the meaning and purpose of your life to one absolute aim, not only will you make great progress and strides towards that aim, but a well-chosen aim can cover a lot of different bases. So you might be able to provide for people you love in ways, for example, that are completely unexpected because of your aim. Awesome. So I, I realize that, you know, when people hear that, they sometimes want to argue where they feel I'm being too outwardly focused. And I, I understand that. And it's natural to, to have those issues. But I, I really believe that if you look at the lives of people who are heroes to you or people you admire, whoever they are, you can almost always detect within their lives one absolute definite purpose. There may have been other things they did. They may have been parents. They may have been homemakers. They may have had many different hats they wore, but they lived for one absolute thing. I think you see that in the lives of the Fillmore's, for example. They founded what is, you know, perhaps the most dynamic new thought-based ministry on earth. You know, that was a very core aim of theirs. Didn't mean that they didn't have other dimensions to their lives, but they were very definable by that, by that pursuit. And I believe it was heroic. Cool. Well, we have about four minutes left. I want to just touch on uh, some of the core methods and that's affirming, visualizing, praying and chanting as you, as you talk about in your book. Can you just touch briefly on those? Cause sure. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Affirming and visualizing, you know, people kind of wrestle with these things sometimes. What's the right way to do it? There's no wrong way to do it. You know, I think any kind of affirming or visualizing is effective as long as it's emotionally persuasive to you, whether you state it in past tense, present tense, future tense, whatever gets you kind of emotionally on your own side will be effective. And I also believe that all these methods, prayer, meditation, visualizing, affirming, they're all uniquely effective in what I in what sleep researchers call the hypnagogic state, which is this very relaxed state that we're in just before we drift off at night and just as we're coming to in the morning. I walk through it in the book, but that is prime time for psychical activity. And the New Thought pioneers, including Neville Goddard and Emil Kue, recognize that. Contemporary sleep researchers are recognizing that. Psychical researchers have recognized that. It's a very mysterious time of day, and I, I return to it a lot in the book. I, and you're naturally in this time of day, twice a day, just before you drift off at night, just as you come to in the morning. That is the prime time to use your affirmations and visualizations. It can revolutionize your practice. And anything quick to say about chanting? Oh, well, you know, I mentioned in the book the chant of Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, which is a chant that our Buddhist 
brothers and sisters do. Uh, it's from a branch of Buddhism called Nichiren Buddhism. It's the first line of the Lotus Sutra. It means I align myself, roughly speaking, it means I align myself with the mystic law of cause and effect. Um, some people in New Thought have found that a hugely powerful chant. It complements New Thought methods. It's something I encourage people to attempt. Excellent. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, any last words? I mean, what do you want to put out there to inspire people? Do you have something that you'd like to say? I think what I want to put out there to inspire people is that they should feel that their life is a boundaryless experiment and that they should be, if they still wish, trying all kinds of methods and ideas. And I always try to reassure people, especially mainstream folk who are new to some of these ideas, that all this stuff can be done in private. You, know, you, 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 can, you can experiment with anything you want, any of the methods that we've been talking about, without seeking anyone's approval or approbation or putting a label on yourself. The experiments of the mind may be the one place in life in the 21st century where we continue to have absolute privacy. And I encourage people to use that, to exercise that. Awesome. So MitchHorowitz.com is a good place to find you? People can find me at MitchHorowitz.com. Uh, if they want to find my books, they're all at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, independent booksellers. And I also have lots of lectures and talks up on YouTube and Vimeo. That's not the police coming for you, is it, in the background? <laughs> uh, it's possible. You know, I mean, uh, that's something you created with, here with you guys. I can't see what's happening outside the building. But you do know I'm talking from New York City. You know, right. we New York. Flying, you know, I'm really where I say I am. You can tell. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mitch, for joining us. It's been, it's yes, been an you. awesome time having you. Total pleasure. Happy to come back. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Well, you're listening to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Uh, if you want to find out more about Raymond Anderson, got, go to RaymondAnderson.com. You can find out uh, about some courses I'm producing, some wonderful stuff that's coming up on YouThriveHere.com, which is something we're developing. And um, I want you to have a wonderful, wonderful day. Again, you're listening to Big Universe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>